Hi, I'm Matt McClory, lead pastor alongside my wife, Jill, here at Colonial Church in St. Augustine, Florida. Wanted to welcome you to Colonial Church's podcast. We are a church that believes in Jesus and people, which means we believe in you. So why not today subscribe to this podcast and choose to grow your life spiritually and in all the other ways as well into everything that God has got for you. God bless you, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Do in our church, Colonial Church. Come on, let's stand. Come on, can we welcome Mackenzie Gamble this morning? as she comes to preach the Word. Thanks. Please take a seat. Get comfortable, but not that comfortable. Like Pastor Matt said, God had other plans, and I think Pastors Matt and Jill also had other plans. But do you guys know that you have incredible lead pastors? Yeah. They're the best of the best. And I'm just grateful for just your yes to God. You know what I mean? Like, I would not be the same person I am today without your faith and your, you know, just listening to God's call to plant this church. I know I'm so blessed because of it. I know we are all so blessed. And so I love you guys. Thank you. Awesome. Well, hey, we're going to be jumping into John 11 this morning, if you want to go ahead and flip there with me. Some of you might be familiar with John 11. This is where we see the miracle of Lazarus take place. And if you haven't read it before, spoiler alert, but Lazarus gets raised back to life. It's pretty cool. Um, But I actually don't want to talk about that today. We're going to focus on the space before the miracle. And so in the Gospels, like Jesus is traveling, doing ministry, walking with the disciples and doing some really incredible things. And so where we're going to start reading today in verse four is actually when Jesus has been notified that Lazarus is sick. And so let's read the word of God together. When he heard this, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus, so when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days, and then said to his disciples, let us go back to Judea. But Rabbi, they said, a short while ago the Jews there tried to stone you, and yet you're going back? Jesus answered, are there not 12 hours of daylight? Anyone who walks in the daytime will not stumble, for they see by this world's light. It is when a person walks at night that they stumble, for they have no light. After he had said this, he went on to tell them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I am going there to wake him up. His disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps, he'll get better. Jesus had been speaking of his death, but his disciples thought he meant natural sleep. So then he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And for your sake, I am glad I was not there so that you may believe. But let us go to him. I want to preach a message this morning entitled, So Now What? So Now What? Let's pray together. Lord, thank you for the power of your word. Thank you that it never returns void, that it's a light unto our path, God. And so we just say that we trust you, God. We're open to what you have for us this morning. Would you speak into our lives, God? Would you meet us where we're at? We want more of you, Lord, and less of us. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray together. Amen. Amen. So now what? So now what? You know, I think a lot of times our humanity tends to focus on the big moments in life. We focus on the mountaintops, the miracles, right? Like Lazarus getting raised back to life, and the miracles are incredible. 
And on the other end of the spectrum, we focus on the valleys when things aren't going so well and thank God that he brings us out of those seasons. But today I actually want to talk about the space in between. The space in between needing and believing God for a miracle to then actually seeing that promise come to pass in our own lives. What about the journey? Or in other words, what about the wait? The wait. It's basically like a Christian cuss word. We don't like to wait for anything. But waiting is actually so important. Why is it important? Well, because we all do it right? Like there have been past seasons, I'm sure, where you've waited on God for something. Maybe you find yourself in that season today, or you will find yourself waiting. But the wait can differ, right? Like sometimes we wait for things for simply days, sometimes it's months, sometimes it's years, and sometimes the thing that we're waiting for does not actually happen on this side of eternity, Like, look at the life of Moses. He waited to enter into the promised land essentially his whole life, and it never happened for him. Like, he did not make it. And I don't say that to be negative this morning, but I just want to make a point before we go any farther. If sometimes we wait for things that do not happen on this side of eternity, it tells me something really important, that the wait is significant, and that even in the wait, God has something for you. He has something for me And it's less about the miracle that we need, and it's more about what God wants to do in the wait. And so that's where I want to shift our perspective this morning. So I have three questions for us to consider when it comes to waiting. Point one, what are you waiting on? What are you waiting on? Maybe you need a crazy miracle. Maybe you walked into church this morning, and you need like a Lazarus type of moment in your life. Maybe you're waiting on a spouse, a child, a house, a job. Maybe you're believing for more peace in your life, restoration in your family, joy. Like we can spend time waiting for a lot of things in life. But when I think about waiting, I think about two things. I think about God and I think about soccer. (laughs) You thought I was going to say something spiritual and jokes on you because soccer is extremely spiritual. It's the Lord's game. If you don't like soccer, God will deal with you later. But in soccer, there's something called the offside rule. And just to simplify this for today's message, but a lot of times the scenario that will develop is you try to time your run with the person playing the ball in order to stay onside. Tracking, it's great. But the thing is, if I'm trying to time my run, what can happen is I become so focused, so enamored by the soccer ball. It's what I need. It's what I'm trying to receive. It's what I have to get in order to be able to score a goal. But the thing is, is if I simply focus on the soccer ball, I will be offside nine times out of ten. Because the soccer ball has zero information for me. I can't have a relationship with a soccer ball. It can't shout my name. It doesn't tell me anything. And so the trick to timing your run, the trick to waiting well, is actually looking at the player who has the ball. What's their body language like? Are they leaning back? Are their eyes down the field? Have they called my name? Are they about to play the ball? And the same is true in our spiritual lives. It's so much less about the thing that we're believing God for, the blessing that we want to receive, and it's so much more about the person who has a blessing, the person of God. 
it isn't about what we are waiting for, but who we are waiting on. And so I want to ask you the question, like, are you waiting on God? Or are you just waiting on the thing that you want from God? It's a challenging question, and if I'm honest, I have done that in my own life, right? I've put more stake, more value in what I want to receive from God than God himself. And so I've written, de- written down, written, wow, and I do comms around here. <laughs> but a few signs that maybe we've gotten this mixed up somewhere along the way. We treat God like a genie in the bottle, and we only pray when we need something. When we receive a blessing, we take the credit for it. Or my personal favorite. We say things like, well, when I have this, then I'll be satisfied. When I get married, then I'll be fulfilled. When I get that new job, then I'll have time for church. I'll have time for God. But the thing is, is waiting on God is relational. Like God desires to have a relationship with you And that means that he wants to be with you in the wait. He wants you to wait on him, not on things. And when we get this mixed up, we actually cheapen our relationship with Jesus. Because waiting for things is transactional. It's about me, me, and only me. And what I can get from God. But I just want to encourage you today that God is not a genie in the bottle, but that he's the Lord of lords, he's your savior, and there's so much more for you in relationship than there is in transaction. Psalm 33 verse 4 says, for the word of the Lord is right and true. He is faithful in all he does. If we're truly waiting on God, we will actually never be disappointed because God does not fail. He is faithful. And so when we put our trust in God, who is a firm foundation for our lives, you cannot be disappointed. What are you waiting on? Point two, how are you waiting? If we're going to wait, we might as well do it well. And so there are some attributes I think we can pull from this text of characteristics that we can wait with. And the first is this, we can wait with trust. Easier said than done, right? The disciples are on the struggle bus here, if I'm being honest. Like, as soon as Jesus is like, hey, actually, we're going to wait for a couple of days. Let's go back to Judea. And they're like, Jesus, are you sure? Like, don't you remember that the people there wanted to stone you? Like, you're going back? They immediately question Jesus. They question his methods, perhaps his sanity, But being forced to wait often leads us to question in our own lives. Maybe it causes you to question everything. Maybe it causes you to question that God really has a plan for your life. Maybe it causes you to question that God actually loves you. But I just want to encourage you today, if you have questions, it's okay. Like, questions are not actually a bad thing. And we see it here in Jesus' response to the disciples. He's a little bit savage in his response but I'm appreciative of a savage Jesus. But he responds with this incredible parable. And parables are simply like teaching moments. I love that the disciples brought their questions to Jesus. They brought their questions, their concerns to the person who had the answers. And so when we have questions and we bring them to Jesus, 
It doesn't disqualify us for his plan for our life, but it actually leads to this incredible teaching moment that can build our faith and give us clarity for what's ahead. Our willingness to wait is directly tethered to our trust in God. I love how we were singing that song this morning, Same God. Because the same Jesus who tells them, like, we're going to take a beat here, we're going to wait for two days, is the same Jesus who later brings Lazarus back from the dead. Like the same God who might have you in a waiting season right now is the same God who's done miracles, is still doing miracles today. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And I love that Jesus stayed where he was for two more days. We're going to break down the timing a little bit in just a minute, but Jesus was not swayed by the situation. Like, the situation was life and death. Lazarus was going to die. But yet, Jesus stays where he was for two more days. And I'm so thankful in my own life that Jesus is not dependent on me. Like, let that sink in. God is not dependent on you. And thank God, because we're humans and we will fail and we don't always get it right. But his power and his plan was perfect. And so I just want to encourage you that you can trust him with your whole life because he knows what he's doing. And his plan is not affected by us. His plan is not affected by our questions. His plan is not affected by our faith. You know that saying, like, hindsight's twenty twenty. It's dumb. Of course, hindsight's twenty twenty. It's easy to look back on your life and be like, yep, God, thank you for that. I see how you've moved I see what you've done, but I just want to challenge us to flip that saying today to foresight is 2020. And of course, I don't have foresight. I can't see everything. I don't know how it's going to work out. I don't know your situation and how it's going to pan out, but we serve a God who does. And so as believers, as children of God, we can actually look down the pipeline of our life through a lens of faith, through a lens of Jesus. And we might not know the details. We could say, God's goodness is on my life. Truly, his mercy and his goodness will follow me all the days of my life. He'll never leave me. He'll never forsake me. And he works all things together for my good. God knows what he's doing. We can wait with trust, and we can also wait with patience. Patience is another Christian cuss word. I would not describe myself as a patient person. So it's ironic I'm talking about this. I'm aware. It's fine. And I'm especially not patient when I'm hangry. And I'm hangry often. But a lot of times what will happen in my household is my husband and I are trying to figure out what we want for dinner. And it's like 6 p.m. And I don't know about you, but I'm more about the early bird special. And so if it's 6 p.m., I'm definitely hangry. And so we're trying to figure out, and we're talking. And what happens is I'll say something rude, just being real. My amazing, kind husband is like, hey, you know, just because you're hangry does not give you an excuse to be rude. Just be patient. And when someone tells you to be patient, you do not want to be patient. I'm like, yes, it's absolutely an excuse to behave like this because if I don't eat right now, I'm going to die. Right. Come on, somebody. But our condition 
our personality traits are not an excuse to lack patience. Patience is not a personality trait. But Galatians 5 tells us that patience is a fruit of the Spirit. And that is such good news for people like me. Because if patience is a fruit of the Spirit, then it means that we've all been given access to it through the Spirit of God. And that we can actually grow in our patience. There is hope today. And there was some serious patience needed in John 11. Look at verse 5. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. Like, when I read that, it, it seems kind of cruel. Okay, Jesus, like, you know Lazarus is super sick and you're going to wait? Like, you're going to be late. But look at the text. Now Jesus loved them, so then he stayed where he was two more days. His love actually motivated his timing. I want to encourage you that the weight in your own life is not a punishment. Just because you wait on God does not mean that he's punishing you. The weight is not because of something that you've done in your past. The weight's not because of something that you haven't yet done. But his love actually motivates his timing, and it gets even better. So when Jesus arrives on the scene, Lazarus has actually already been dead for four days. So Jesus was, quote, unquote, late. But Jesus' timing is perfect, yeah? And so even if Jesus would have set out immediately from when he was, like, found out about Lazarus, Jesus still would have arrived two days late. Lazarus would have been dead for two days because of travel and things like that. And so kind of either way in this situation, Jesus would have been late. But there was actually something to be gained by Jesus waiting for two days. You see, up until this point, Jesus had performed miracles where he brought people back from the dead. I almost said back from life. Um, anyways, but the thing is, is that nothing like this had yet happened. Because when he shows up, Lazarus has been dead for four days. So he is like dead, dead. And in the Jewish tradition, there was actually the spirit of the departed was thought to hover around the body for three days in hopes of resuscitation. And so past the three-day mark, there was 0% chance that someone could come back to life. Like, it was impossible. And so when Jesus shows up and Lazarus has already been dead for four days, it was an impossible situation. And yet we know we serve a God of the possible, and Jesus brings him back to life. And so this miracle was a pivotal moment. It would have been seen as a manifestation of the glory of God. Like, people realize, like, oh, snap, like, he really is the true Messiah. The sister's faith would have been strengthened because of this. Lazarus's faith would have been strengthened because of this. Like, anyone who saw or heard about the miracle's faith would have been strengthened because of this miracle. Waiting paves the way for the glory of God in our lives. The four-day wait paved the way for the glory of God to be in their life. The wait is about the making, right? Like they weren't just waiting on the miracle, but they were actually waiting on Jesus to come. And ultimately, God got the glory. I love how John 11, the first verse that we read together, it says this sickness, this wait, this struggle, this anxiety, 
will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory. There can, the weight can be a way forward if we're patient enough to see it. The weight is not wasted. The weight has purpose. And what's the purpose? It's for God's glory in our lives. So we can wait with trust. We can wait with patience. And we can also wait with presence. God does not waste the waiting seasons, but we can waste them. The choice is ours. Do we want to do this season well or do we not? Are you someone who wishes the waiting season away? I am. I can't imagine the three days that Mary and Martha would have been waiting. Like, honestly, they would have looked a little bit foolish. They had faith in Jesus to come, and so people are around, and Jesus wasn't there. It would have been a struggle. And then if I were in that situation, in my own strength, I think I would have tried to figure it out. Like, okay, Jesus isn't coming. What are we going to do? And we can do this in our own life. The temptation for us can be when we're in the wait to just forge ahead without God, to do things in our own strength. And it's such a dangerous place to be because anything that we do outside of God, we also have to sustain without God. And life is hard enough with God. Like, I don't want to do things without God. It's no secret that we live in an instant gratification society today. Would you agree? And I was just thinking about that and the world that we live in and how it can kind of affect the way that we wait. And I just had the thought, waiting can seem like stress. Like, are you stressed out waiting in traffic? Are you stressed out waiting in the doctor's office? Like, waiting is not meant to be stressful. Waiting can seem like stress if distraction from God is how you cope. If we busy our lives, if we clutter our lives with other things, things that are not of God, then we will find ourselves stressed out in the wait. Distraction leads to distortion and distance from God. Well, God's way is not working, so why don't I try this instead? Here's a shortcut. Here's a quick fix. But proximity to Jesus will always give us perspective. And so how can we achieve proximity to Jesus? We need to spend time with him. We need to be present with God. That's part of the relationship, right? And when things get complicated in our life, I think the best thing to do at times is just to return to the simple. And what's the simple for us as believers? Reading the Bible, praying, fasting, silence and solitude. Like it's incredible if you stop talking what God might say to you. You laugh because you know it's true. Don't neglect the things of God just because you're waiting on God. Martha knew how to wait well because she knew Jesus well. If we fast forward to John 11, verse 24, this is when Jesus does show up on the scene. And Jesus is kind of like, hey, I'm about to do this thing. Do you believe it? And I love her response. Look at it. Verse 27 says, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God who is to come into the world. Yes, Lord. I know she knew Jesus well to, because to be able to say yes, Lord, in this situation is significant. Like her brother's dead. Jesus came after four days. People would have been doubting that Jesus was even who he said that he was. And yet she responds, yes, Lord. 
I believe that you are who you say that you are. And I would love it if we could become a bit more like Martha, that we could say yes, Lord, a lot more than we say why, God. Yes, Lord is such a powerful statement. If you look at it in the Bible, a lot of times, yes, Lord, is followed by a miracle. We see it in Acts 9 when Ananias says, yes, Lord, and then gets to be a part of Saul's conversion. We see it here. She says, yes, Lord, and then Jesus brings Lazarus back from the dead. But yes, Lord, has the potential to take the breath out of the enemy. And yes, Lord, takes the heaviness. It takes the weight out of the weight. Point three this morning, what story do you want your weight to tell? If we go to John 11, verse 53, this is right after Jesus has brought Lazarus back from the dead. And it says this, talking about Jesus. So from that day on, they plotted to take his life. This miracle was so grand, so incredible, that people wanted to kill and crucify Jesus all the more because of it. And so the weight of Martha, the weight of Lazarus, the miracle was directly connected to the crucifixion of Jesus. And we know how that story ends. Jesus died on the cross for you and for me and rose again so that we could have life. I'm thankful for the cross. But the cool thing is, is that our weight is always part of a bigger story. God's story. God's story is greater than our story. We've been given a seat at the table, a part to play. We've been grandfathered in. We've been given sonship. But we get to choose the narrative. We've been given a place in God's story, but what are we telling ourselves in the wait? What are we telling the world through our wait? Is our narrative one of victory or defeat? Is it one of not yet or never? Is it one that proclaims the goodness of God or amplifies doubts? So now what? I'm aware that in this moment that we've been in church together, a lot of people's weights or your situation has not changed. It's real. We wait on God. But we can be bold in the weights because we already know how the story ends. And as I was preparing for this message, I was just kept being reminded of a story with my friend a few years ago. Her and her husband were going through the adoption process. They were believing God to give them a child. They had felt like it was a promise from God for their lives. And when I was meeting with her, we were getting coffee. Just after this, they were given a about to be given a child, and then suddenly it fell through. And so as you can imagine, they were disappointed, heartbroken. And we were talking about this situation, and I'll never forget what she told me. So after they did not get the child, they still believed God. They were like, okay, God's promise is still for me. But they had no child. They built the crib in the baby's room, and she had started buying baby clothes. And when she told me that, I was just kind of like... Like, are you sure that you want to do that? Like, just in case this doesn't work out, are, are you sure that you want to do that? And I didn't say this to her because I'm not a horrible friend. But her faith said so much more than my faith. 
in that moment. Her faith was like, God has promised this to me. And so even though it didn't work out this time, I'm going to wait like what I'm waiting for has already happened. And the cool thing is, is that my friend's story, like I cannot relate to it. I don't have any kids. I don't know anything about adoption. But none of that matters. Because our weight, when leveraged for God's story and his glory, can be so powerful. The weight does not disqualify you from the story that God is writing. I believe at times it gives you even a better story. And so would you stand with me this morning? What's the narrative? I want to read Romans 4 over us this morning. This verse is about Abraham, who, as we know, waited a long time for a lot of things. And I believe that we can declare this in our own lives today. It says, no unbelief made him waver concerning the promise of God. No unbelief made him waver concerning the promise of God. But he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God, fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. You see, the wait is not a stepping stone to what's next. There's something for us in the midst of it, and the wait is not going to take us out. The wait is actually going to build our faith. The wait is actually going to give us a God story. The wait is actually going to deepen our relationship with Jesus. And so with every head bowed, I wonder what the Holy Spirit is highlighting to you through this message. I think it's only fitting that we're talking about waiting that we actually wait. I think it's easy to sit in church and think like this message is great for them, but this isn't for me. But I believe that even if waiting's not your season, that God has something for you today. And so would you ask him? Like, Holy Spirit, what are you showing me? Maybe you are in a waiting season, or maybe you just need to choose to trust him again. God, thank you that you are for us, that you're not against us, Lord. Thank you that you have a plan to prosper us. Thank you that you work things together for our good. Thank you that you are trustworthy, that you're a sure thing, Lord, that your steadfast love endures forever. And so we just pray, God, that you would meet us in our situation, that our faith level wouldn't drop to our circumstance, that we would look to you, Lord. Would you show us what our next step is, God? We ask for clarity. We ask for wisdom in our situation, Lord. If waiting is what you're asking us to do, God, would you help us to wait well? Would you help us to wait in a way that honors you, Lord? God, we want what you have for us. We don't want anything else, God. And so where we've picked up things that weren't for us, God, we set them down today, Lord. We surrender over to you again, God. Have your way in our lives, Lord. Have your way in this place. In Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, let's worship church.
Thanks for listening to that podcast. We pray it blessed you and empowered you in all that God's got for you. Why don't you share that with a friend, someone who maybe needs to hear it. We'd love for you to also to visit us um, either online at colonialchurch.life or here at church at 550 State Road 207 here in St. Augustine, Florida. Be blessed.